Well, today is the last in our series in Ephesians. Today we're in Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 10. This is our United series, part 12. We're calling this Armor On. The theme for this series has been United. You see the theme verse behind me. This has been our theme verse for the year. We are carefully joined together in Him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. We are carefully joined together in Him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. We're not just a bunch of individuals who happen to sit in a bunch of chairs in the same room. We are being joined together to become a holy temple for the Lord. What's a temple? A temple is a place that draws worship to God. Your life, by being joined with other believers, draws worship to God. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Ephesians uh, 2.21. So we're going to read Ephesians chapter 6. I want to invite my personal security detail, if they're around here somewhere, to join me on stage. I think we've got a couple of... Thank you. You're going to want to stand for the reading of God's Word. One on each side, please. I need a little protection here. Thank you, men. Nothing like a... Oh, I love this. This is good. We uh, going to remember that the Apostle Paul wrote this letter from a Roman prison cell. So perhaps he was flanked by handsome men such as these. As he wrote this carefully. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 10. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after battle, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so you'll be fully prepared. In addition... To all of these, hold up the shield of faith. I've got to say, you guys, bigger shields next time, all right? Okay. Uh, uh, yes, where were we? Verse, uh, verse 16. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil and put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Hold up those swords, guys, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Amen. You may be seated. Before you gentlemen go, um, where are you from? From a little place over here, Bethlehem. I see. And um, you've, come, you've traveled a long way from Bethlehem to, to Fresno, California. Can you, can you tell us uh, why, uh, why you've come all this way? As the song goes, we traverse afar. <laughs> and uh, I wonder, you know, it's great to have you here in, in our, you know, in our place, but would there ever be an opportunity for us to see you in, in your place? I am so glad you asked that. <laughs> how, how could we do that? December 16th through the 19th, the Centurions and I will be on force in our drive through 
to Bethlehem. We expect to see you there. We also expect to see you pay your taxes. <laughs> we do not accept cell phone tax payment. <laughs> All right. And um, suppose some of these civilians would want to be part of the adventure. Is there uh, still an opportunity to do so? Oh, yes. The wise and knowledgeable Lori Franz would love to. Wise and knowledgeable Lori, stand, please. Stand up. Stand. <laughs> she would love to have you help and participate as being a civilian. All right. We can always use a few more shepherds to push around. Love to push around, shepherds. <laughs> All right. Thanks, gentlemen. You are dismissed. And, uh, yeah. We're excited. Building is underway. and would love for, uh, for you to, to find ways to be uh, a part of that. Um, there's also a needs list in your bulletin today. You can look that over and see what is still needed. All right, well, let's jump into the passage. We're going to have a lot to cover, and, and um, so let's get moving. Verse 10, a final word, says Paul. This is turning a corner in this book. After all that he's taught about our identity in Christ, he's taught about how the church functions, about, you know, that we are, we're, we're led by apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers who do the work of equipping you and me for, the, for God's service. Uh, he's explained how to live Pure lives, sexually pure uh, lives, live with clean and encouraging speech, to live sober and spirit-filled lives, to be submitted to one another, to love our spouse, our kids, our employer, our employees, our parents. But this phrase in verse 10 is as if to say, okay, but the most important thing I can tell you is this right now. Be strong. Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Be strong in the Lord's strength. All of Paul's teaching on theology and morality is useless. It's pointless. It's, it'll be frustrating if we don't live our life in God's strength. When you live by your own effort, you'll find yourself continually frustrated and probably frustrating the people around you. We put it this way. It's the first note in your outline if you're doing this today. It's stop trying to be a good Christian. Stop trying to be a good Christian. This is all about inside versus outside. We've talked a fair bit about this in this series. This is about religion versus knowing Jesus. Religion says, clean up your act, look good, pray the prayers, do go through the motions. And, and I'll be honest, I'm weary of people saying, well, I'm just trying to be a good Christian. And I, I, know, I know what's meant by that, but it's misguided because there's efforts of self Righteousness and self-righteousness doesn't work. Jesus didn't suffer and die on the cross to make you a nicer person. The Christian life is not some kind of morality improvement therapy. It's, it's not like going to a spiritual gym and, and you know, hopefully get you into spiritual shape. It's, that's religion, and religion doesn't bring life. Religion kills. Take off the nice guy mask. And take on Jesus' power. Jesus, Paul did write to the Romans. He says, don't be like the world anymore. Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed. But he didn't say be transformed by, by trying harder to be a nicer person. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It starts internally. 
It starts with a change of thinking. It starts with a change of belief. Believe differently so you can live differently. Good behavior follows right belief. So can I just set you free from having to try so hard? Maybe you did give up trying long ago, but you don't know Jesus. You tried and it didn't work and you gave up. And so now you just go through the motions and you hope nobody notices. But inside it's pretty empty, pretty hollow. And I'm going to tell you, it's miserable. And yes, it's noticeable. We can see it. And so instead of doing this by your own effort, say this, I can't do this, but Christ in me can. Let me add one little illustration. Last month, uh, Becky and I were in Israel for about 10 days. We had just a, an awesome time. And um, we were with a pretty big group of people, a busload and going to all these different places. And we, with all this big group, we just had one guide. And that guide, she led us, she taught us, she, she fed us, she took us to restaurants. And she was in charge of our lives for the week. No question about it. But some people on our bus didn't really like her very much. And uh, they didn't want to listen. They didn't want to follow her around. They, they only wanted to be with their companions, with their friends. But I'll tell you this. Those of us who live by her power, those of us who took direction from her and listened to her and followed her guidance and her instruction, had a much better time than those who didn't. Got way more out of that experience. Now, some of us are a bit like that with Jesus. We, we like the idea of Jesus as friend, as companion. You know, we like the idea of Jesus is my co-pilot. I'll tell you, when the plane's in trouble, I don't want Jesus as my co-pilot. I want him flying the plane. And we, we like the idea of Jesus being near us, but do we, are we willing to have him out in front of us as Lord and Master and Savior and King and daily guide? That's what we're invited to. Be strong in the Lord's strength. Make him Lord so you can do that. Now, why is this so important? Well, because you're surrounded by invisible spiritual forces that seek your destruction. I know you don't want to think about that and kind of live with a bit of denial, but instead of denying that, I'm saying this. Open your eyes to what you can't see. Open your eyes to what you cannot see. Sounds like an oxymoron. But look again at verses 11 and 12 with me. I think we have it there on the screen. He says this, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Evil rulers, authorities, mighty powers, evil spirits all around who want nothing more than your destruction. These terrorists who attacked Paris and attacked Beirut this weekend, are they the enemy? I mean, what would Jesus say? What did Jesus say to his killers as he hung on the cross? He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. We read that and we say, no, they knew exactly what they were doing. And they, they, they had it figured out. They were not bumbling idiots who didn't know how to, how to 
procure an execution. Jesus says, no, they, they don't know what they're doing. Forgive them, Father. The real enemy is Satan, but Satan deceives people into evil behavior. And I, I just don't want us to be naive about this. We're surrounded by an unseen realm of opposition. And the devil has strategies. Think, think about this. He makes plans. He, he considers ways to steal and kill and destroy. So let's open our eyes to spiritual warfare. Don't mock those who talk about it. Don't laugh at those who, who are aware of these things. Recognize that Satan uses demons, ideas, philosophies, and yes, even religion to influence and to control people. Sometimes even occupying their very soul to bring terrible results. But there's good news. There is good news in this. We're not commanded to take territory from the devil. There's an important word in there. We're told to stand. Why stand? Why not charge? Why not run into the battle? Because when a warrior is on ground already captured, he only needs to hold it. You've already, by, by trusting in Jesus Christ for salvation, you have been saved. Jesus battled for you already. You are his. So hold your position. Hold your position. It's not a hopeless fight. You can stand firm. But it's a battle in the mind. Remember what I said. Romans 12 one says, don't be conformed. Don't be like this world anymore, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be changed by starting in the, in the mind where you think. How do you see yourself in your mind's eye? If you're a follower of Jesus, how do you see yourself in your mind's eye? Do you see that you're righteous in Christ? Do you see that you're holy, that you're forgiven? That you're precious and loved by your heavenly father. When the enemy comes and accuses you of being a hypocrite or a fraud or a failure. Do you remind him that no, you are righteous because of Jesus Christ. Right standing before God does not depend on you. It depends on what Jesus did at the cross. And his complete work of grace can never be undone. It's a finished work. So stand. Don't, don't stand naked. Right? You're not unequipped. Paul says, put on or take up the full armor of God. We saw my, my security detail here earlier. Right? Fully dressed in the armor. That's how you stand. I would say this, well, you have what you need. You have what you need. Look at these verses, picking up in verse 13. He says, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. It's interesting. You armor up so that you'll be ready. You see, if you wait, if a soldier waits until the battle starts to get dressed, you're going down. I have a weakness for potato chips. Stay with me. Hopefully this will make sense in a moment. I have a weakness for potato chips. And it almost doesn't matter what kind. And I know they're bad for me. I just, I love them. They're like crack. 
It's just addictive, right? And when I shop for groceries, if I don't decide, determined before I walk in those doors that there's no chips for me today, if I don't make that decision beforehand, man, I have a much harder time staying away from that chip aisle. Winco, that long, glorious aisle, every kind of chip you could imagine. It's just a terrible, terrible place. Um, by the way, Winco's a great place to fill a butler bag. For about under $15, you can get that bag filled. It's great. Listen, guys and gals who struggle with pornography or alcohol or profanity or whatever the devil uses to shame and condemn and sideline them know exactly what I mean. The battle is won or lost long before the temptation hits. If we're going to stand firm in those moments... We need to be fully dressed with God's spiritual armor. So there's six items that Paul lists out that we can, we can use to be prepared for the time of battle. First is truth. Paul says, put on the belt of truth, verse 14. Or uh, the old King James said, gird up your loins. What it, what it means is to gather up the, the, the tunic, the soldier's tunic. It gets gathered up into the, into the belt Holds the, the scabbard for the sword. And the, the, that way your belt is all about readiness for action. The ability to react, to respond, to move, to hear, to, to, to get into action. That's what that's about. And uh, it's about truth. To, to know the truth, to believe the truth, and to, to understand the truth, and to act on truth. Truth of who you are in Christ. The truth of who Christ is. The truth of what's in the Bible. The truth of, of God as the creator of all things. The truth of Jesus as the savior of all. Right? It's no accident that we start with truth when the devil is all about lies and deception. The starting point is to say, no, I stand on truth. Right? Then the, then the breastplate or the, the body armor of righteousness is the next one he lists there. So this, this chest plate is, is, um, it's God's righteousness. Now, we might assume that this protection is, you know, the protection of, well, just be a good person and it'll go better for you, right? Um, this is not armor that you fashioned. This is God's armor placed upon you that you take up upon yourself. The most vulnerable part of the body is the torso, right? Those of you in law enforcement are taught what to shoot for center of mass. Like the, the, the biggest, easiest target is your torso. It's the place of your heart, your emotions, your beliefs, what's, what's, invaluable to, what's valuable to you, so that your torso is, is, is covered there by God's righteousness. The enemy shoots accusations to the core of your belief. He shoots them at your heart. And you protect yourself by putting on the righteousness of God in Christ. When you see yourself dressed in righteousness, right behavior follows. Righteousness doesn't follow right behavior. Right behavior follows righteousness. Believe right to behave right. Next is peace. The, the, this is kind of, an, uh, kind of almost like a jumbled up way that Paul says it. But for, for verse 15, for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news that you'll be fully prepared. 
the gospel of readiness, the shoes of readiness. Footwear is always important, right? Good shoes give you confidence. Ever, ever had bad shoes and you, you're on your feet all day at, at work and it's like, oh man, there's something wrong with my shoe. You can't think about anything else. You're just totally distracted. I remember one time Becky and I were going for a hike and um, she's been known to hike in flip-flops and uh, one of them broke. I'm like, how are we going to get back to the car with a broken flip-flop? We figured it out. We're very resourceful, right? But all of a sudden, it wasn't anything about the hike or enjoying. It was just like, okay, let's figure out how to get back. Shoes are vitally important, whether children or adults. Shoes are important. So what's all this about? Shoes of readiness of the gospel of peace. Well, the term translated readiness can also mean stability, it, like, a, like a firm footing, right? And the gospel message is a gospel of peace. That Jesus came to bring peace to you and end to the battle in your soul. So your readiness to share the gospel, to actually say, hey, Jesus came to be Lord and Savior, to bring peace to your life. Your readiness to do that gives you a solid stance for your life and gives you confidence when the temptation comes. And then there's a shield of faith. The shield of faith. Roman shields are, are not um, serving platters dressed up as a, a shield like we saw here today. Roman shields were, were large, but you guys did, did great with them. Um, were, were uh, large. And they're, they're made of wood. And then they're wrapped in leather to be uh, fire resistant. And those shields were big enough that a soldier could get behind it. They could put them side by side and create a wall. They could create almost a box. They were heavy enough that you could ram an opponent if need be. That shield of faith was a pretty powerful part of the weapon ensemble for a Roman soldier. And um, so it's not only defensive, but it's almost somewhat offensive. And the devil, Paul says here, right? In addition, verse 16, to all these things, hold the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. The devil shoots these fire darts. He hurls accusations at you. He condemns you. He points out your failures, your shortcomings. Revelation 12.10 actually names the devil as the accuser. That's his name. That's what he does. And you're going to need faith to stop and extinguish those arrows. Fiery arrows, I, I believe, would be rather scary. Rather scary. But faith overcomes fear and puts out the fire. Faith says, hey, I am forgiven. I am righteous. I can do all things through Christ who makes me strong. I'm not a loser. I'm not a failure. I'm not a disappointment to my Heavenly Father. I have faith to believe that Jesus is coming back. I have faith to believe that he's prepared an eternity for me. That's a shield of faith that you hold up and extinguish those darts of accusation. I'll just tell you personally, one, I talked, you know, talked about this kind of whole giving thing in a, a few moments ago. But one place in my own life, I'll just confess that I need the shield of faith, is in this area of finances and giving. Right? The devil tells me, you don't need to give. There's other people who take care of that. I mean, it doesn't really matter if you tithe or not. I mean, just think of all the good you could do for your, for your family if, if you'd put that money away for college or retirement. But I, I choose to have faith to believe God who says that when I don't tithe, I'm robbing him. I'm stealing from God. That's what it says in Scripture. 
I have faith to, to believe that this destroyer wreaks havoc in my life if I don't. I have faith to believe what Jesus said, that I'm storing treasure in heaven when I'm generous. I, I have faith to believe that what God says is true. And so I give, and by faith, I look for ways to give more. And guess what? It's true. God is faithful to provide all I need. He always has been. And so I hold up my shield and I write the check. Or send 559. It's a faith. It's an act of faith. It's holding up the shield. Now, two more, two more items. One is salvation. The language of salvation here, or the language in this passage changes slightly when it comes to salvation and for the helmet, for the sword. The word, um, where, where New Living translates says, put on salvation as your helmet. It's a slightly different term there. Uh, it means to take, but it means to take by receiving. Uh, it doesn't really matter what the Greek word is, I can tell you, but it's, it's irrelevant. The point is, it's a word that means to receive. You can't drum up your own salvation. Salvation is something you receive as a free gift of God, and it's given to you. And the helmet not only protects your head and all that's important, but it also identifies the soldier in battle, right? Some of you are going to be watching football this afternoon. I think Green Bay's playing, right? And um, one of the reasons they wear a helmet is so you can quickly and easily identify your teammates on the field. It's an important part of, of what, what the helmet does. It's your, part of your identity, you're identified by salvation. It has so much to do with the mind. So much to do with your identity in Christ. Believing right so you can live right. And God offers you salvation. So take it. Put it on. Be identified as his own. The last is the word of God. But not only the written word of God. But also the spoken word of God. Verse 17. Salvation is your helmet. And take up the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. I like those swords these guys had here. And I think I have one too that, that I just got to hold up for, for the sake of showing you. This one's got a little bit of weight to it. I like this one. All right. Some of you recognize that from Lord of the Rings. And, um, right. There's something about, there's something about that sword. The word of God. Not just the written word of God, but the spoken word of God, the, the voice of the spirit that directs you in your day to day life, the nudge that tells you to make a phone call or to help a friend or to talk to a stranger or pray for a, a church member. The sword is the scripture that that reminds you how to love or reminds you to forgive or to practice patience or to be humble or gentle or kind. You need that. It's the one weapon that we're, it's the one item that we're given that's a weapon to strike against the enemy as he comes. Jesus himself, when he was being tempted by the devil, had scripture at the ready, the very word of God at the ready. I say, no, I will not believe your accusations. No, I will not believe your lies. And then finally, Paul reminds the army of God to advance on our knees. Pray. Period. At all times and every occasion. On all times. It doesn't leave anything out. All times and every occasion. And for believers everywhere. 
Did you know that it actually matters when we pray for those believers, our brothers and sisters in Christ in the Philippines or in Syria or in Turkey or in Paris or in Lebanon? It matters. It matters. Prayer is is a growth area for me. I'm learning. But I've been uh, lately just so encouraged in our leadership council meetings over the past couple of years. We've been learning to spend more and more time in prayer And this last week. You know, we, in our two-hour meeting, we spent at least a quarter, maybe a third of the time just praying about stuff. Praying for you. Praying for the church. Praying for decisions that we have to make. It's just, it's encouraging. And I believe it's going to make a difference for us. I'm grateful to those of you who pray on your own or you, you call into our prayer line at the church and hear the prayer requests. Or you, you're tracking with Pastor Ed's daily Facebook prayer updates. I met a lady at Palm Village a few weeks ago who who doesn't attend our church, but calls in to our prayer line and prays for our church. Amazing. She's doing battle for us without even being here. We have a 30-minute prayer time here at church on Thursday mornings at 9 a.m. Please join us if you can. I'm going to invite the worship team back up. we got one last song to sing. You know, the devil has already lost his war. But he keeps fighting. It's a war against God. He wants to destroy you, not because he cares about you so much, but because he, he knows that strikes at the heart of God. It's one thing if you attack me, but you attack my children? Oh, oh, right? God's this, God the Father is the same way. Satan, all, all Satan wants to do, it's all he's ever tried to do, is steal the glory of God. To usurp his, God's authority. And if he can't have it, he, he doesn't want God to get it either. That's how he rolls. But we're like soldiers. And it's up to each soldier to put on that armor before the battle hits. So we can stand and to stand firm no matter what. Knowing that we're surrounded by an enemy that wants nothing more than to destroy you. But we serve a God who's already won the battle. Who's already taken the ground and granted it to you and says, just stand. Stand in who you are. Stand in the righteousness that's been acquired for you already. That's your free gift by your faith in Jesus Christ. It's God's grace for you. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to pay it back. It's a free gift from God.